The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What is up, everybody? Happy Thursday to you. Welcome to episode 10 of The Look Ahead, part of the SB Nation NFL show. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero from Niners Nation, and with me, as always, Ed Valentine from Big Blue View. What's going on, Ed? Not much stats. How are you? We are we are into week 10 of the NFL season and you look at these games, you look at the schedule and it's it's starting to get really, really interesting around the NFL. So we should have some good games to talk about this week. You're a thousand percent right, Ed. This may be the best week of the year with all the good games on the schedule. It is absolutely loaded, whether it's Thursday night, the early window, the late window, plenty of good games and we're going to talk about them all and if you're new to the look ahead let me explain how it works in a nutshell we talk about the games you want to hear about go to sbnation.com reacts or on twitter at sbn reacts and you vote in the games you're most excited about and we talk about those every thursday and sometimes it gets a little dicey because some of the Thursday night games are not as good. So we kind of do a quick preview of that before we get to the real meat and potatoes. But not this week because Thursday night football is going to be great. It's Colts. It's Titans. You've got big name quarterbacks, big name coaches. And for both of these teams, it's sort of a statement game because they've both been up and down this season. There have been times when they thought, oh, the Colts are really good. Or, oh, Tennessee looks just as good as they did last year. And then there's other times where you're like, what the hell is going on? It's it's just really interesting when you figure out you look at you look at the NFL and and you know, one week we're we're looking at a team and we're thinking, you know, that team is a juggernaut. And then a week or two later, we're looking at that same team going, you know, what happened to that team? What are they really? And and the Titans are kind of in that in that boat right now. I think they've lost two out of their last three games. You know that that running game of theirs has has been you know more or less neutralized in in a couple of of their games recently. So you know it's it's the the, the ups and downs and twists and turns of an NFL season are, are just crazy because what you think you see one week you don't see two weeks later. Yeah. And I, the only thing I worry about with the Titans in this game, I wonder if it's a little bit of a trap game. You know, they get beat by Cincinnati and they bounce back last week against the bears. 
and they win that game, but then they got to play Baltimore next week. And I can't help but wonder if this is the week where they kind of think, okay, we got back on track. We're good. We'll just get through this game. And then we'll, you know, we'll really get up for the Ravens game. I'm just wondering if Tennessee might be looking past Indianapolis just a little bit. Yeah, they they could be, but I was looking at it the other way. I was looking at it like, you know, that running game of theirs has been up and down the last couple of weeks. Derrick Henry's kind of fallen off that, that insane pace that he was on early. And I know how good this Indianapolis defense is. I just wonder if this is a week when when the Titans, you know, really get back on track offensively and and get back to being, you know, what they really were the first five or six weeks of the season. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I think I trust Ryan Tannehill more than Philip Rivers right now. I mean, Rivers, I don't know what he's going to be week to week. Sometimes he looks like he's still got some magic left, but sometimes he just looks just flat out ordinary. And I don't. I think I have more faith in the consistency of Tannehill at this particular time. So I think I'm kind of leaning Titans. I I think I'm going to agree with you here. And, you know, this is one of the things when, it, you know, quarterbacks get older, I think we're actually, you know, it's, it's, it's not cool to, uh, to say things about, uh, about the goat, about Tom Brady, but you watch Tampa Bay sometimes and you see the same things. He's 43 and, and he doesn't always look like the greatest of all time. And, you know, Philip Rivers is the same way. I think he's he's got savvy. He's got experience. He's not completely done. He, he can still do some things, but but you just don't see it every single week. And, and, you know, Ryan Tannehill's got some weapons out there, and he's, you know, pretty much playing the best football of his career. So I think I'm with you. I think on a week-to-week basis, I – it it's it it seems crazy to say you you trust Ryan Tannehill more than than Philip Rivers when you just look at the names on the back of the jerseys, but I think you're right, and I think that's probably why I would lean with to uh, picking Tennessee in this one. You mentioned crazy things, so I'm going to mention something crazy. I just can't help but wonder when I look at this Colts team how much the Andrew Luck retirement threw a wrench in everything they were planning. Because I think if Andrew Luck were playing right now with the way that defense is with Darius Leonard and DeForest Buckner, I think the Colts would be flat out Super Bowl contenders right now. If Andrew Luck was their quarterback instead of Phillip Rivers, is that crazy? No, that's not crazy at all. And and you just wonder, you, you just wonder what you're, you're absolutely right to wonder what would have happened in Indianapolis had they been able to keep him healthy, had they been able to put, you know, an offensive line around him that wouldn't have gotten him, you know, beaten up for for so many years, and and you know, more or less, you know, more or less drove him out of football because he, you know, because of the injuries that he suffered. So, and I think you're right because they've they've had to they've had to do do things you know going out and trading for Philip Rivers trying to make do at the quarterback position so yeah it it's always in the back of you know it probably in the back of Colts fans you know minds it's like what would this be if Andrew Luck was still here if yeah and if I were the Colts I would be calling Andrew Luck every week from now until forever just to see just because you never know just hey Andrew some Chris Ballard here 
Just check it in. Any chance you want to come back? No? Okay. Talk to you next week. <laughs> yeah, run up the phone, Bill. Go ahead. Ah, I think Ursay can afford it. He's paying like $2 million or whatever it is for John Lennon's third favorite guitar. I think he can afford the phone bill for the Colt. <laughs> there you go. Okay, Ed, and now I get to the part of the show that I have been dreading, dreading since Sunday. On Sunday, when the Bills are storming all over the Seattle Seahawks, I check my mentions and I happen to see a notification from Buffalo Rumblings calling out me and you for picking against the Bills again when the game against Seattle, calling us out. And so now we have to eat a little bit of crow. And in order to help us do that is Spencer Pennington from Buffalo Rumblings. Spencer, thanks for jumping in. Hey, man, anytime. Any, and, and really, anytime I get to go and talk some mess about the Bills and I get to make somebody eat some crow, it, it is the best, it's the best time ever. So thank you for having me. Now, I was told specifically that we were going to be spared from Bills Mafia because I was definitely worried about that. If there's one fan base I don't want after me, it's the Mafia. But, I mean, you tell me, because I didn't see this coming from Josh Allen. He had kind of struggled a little bit recently, but he did not struggle against Seattle. Well, the thing is, um, he has struggled recently. So the last few games prior to the Seattle game, he's he's been dealing with a left shoulder injury. So I know it's not his throwing shoulder. It's not the you know the arm that he uses. It's not that cannon, but it definitely it definitely affected him in a negative way. Um, this was this was the week that we were looking forward to him kind of getting healthy again. So you know we hope it, it, he came out and he did everything that we thought he would do. Um, and not everybody in the rest of the country thought so. So it feels good to be a Bills fan and say, see, we told you so. So uh, you have a uh, a different team actually chasing you for, for an AFC East title this year. It's it's not the Patriots. And thank goodness it looks like someone other than the Patriots is going to win the, the NFC East, but or AFC East, I'm sorry. But how uh, how much are you looking over your shoulder at those Miami Dolphins? So in all in all honesty, I think that they're a good roster. I actually, so prior to the season, when you know everybody does our preseason picks, and uh, you know we we look at the entire schedule and we try to figure out who's going to be the best. And I actually had the Miami Dolphins being the second in the division. Um, I, as much as I'm a Cam Newton fan and him going to New England, I thought that you know he wasn't quite as healthy yet as as he probably should be in order to kind of keep that team going on the path that they're used to going on. And then with Miami, Brian Flores is a he's a heck of a coach. You know, if I didn't have Sean McDermott, he is a guy that I would definitely love to have in Buffalo. He's just that type of coach that players will run through a wall, a brick wall, a metal wall, any kind of wall you put up, they're going to try to run through for him. And um, and they had a good offseason. They had a very good draft. So listen, whether Tua is healthy or not, you know, whether he's the guy that they're putting in there or they're putting Ryan Fitzpatrick in there that's a good roster and they're going to play very well. So, you know, to your point, thank God it's not the Patriots, but um, I'm as a, if I'm going to be honest though, I'm still not actually nervous about the, the dolphins at all, just because I would actually be more nervous if they were using Ryan Fitzpatrick as their starter right now. You mentioned Sean McDermott. So I want to explore that a little bit because when people think about the best young coaches in the league, they mention McVay, they mention Kyle Shanahan, they don't mention Sean McDermott, and I've been saying it forever. The dude makes the playoffs with the Bills, which nobody had done basically since Marv Levy on a consistent level. Why doesn't he get the love around the league that he should? Well, I think it, it comes from Buffalo still being that 
you know, that small city, you know, we're not the, we're not LA, we're not New York city. We're not Miami. So a lot of times we still get looked over. And even now the bills are seven and two and we're playing pretty well. I know we had a couple of weeks that didn't look great, but you don't hear um, the, in the coach of the year discussion already, you don't hear Sean McDermott's name being thrown up, even though we're, you know, we have one of the best offenses in the league. We turned around one of the worst offenses. <laughs> you know, you look at the bills offense from last season and the season before it, it it was tough to watch as a Bills fan. Now you have Sean McDermott. He turned this thing around, and we look like we look like a team who can contend towards the end of the season. He absolutely deserves that credit. And I just again, I think it's the same thing that goes to why Trey White wasn't looked at as a potential defensive player of the year last year. The reason why you know Josh is not being mentioned to MVP because of his you know he has a couple mistakes here and there that he needs to clean up. But other than that, I mean, we have some players that for a long time should have been considered. Um, in the top of the league, Stefan Gilmore, before he went to New England, we thought that he could have been a player, a defensive player of the year here in Buffalo. It's just when you're in Western New York, it's a small market team, you know, but hopefully Sean can can break through that this year because he's a heck of a coach, man. So, uh, you know, you have another interesting game coming up, uh, coming up this weekend. How, you know, with, with uh, the Arizona Cardinals, another really interesting matchup with Josh Allen, Kyler Murray. How do you uh, how do you feel about this one coming up? This one actually has me nervous, if I'm going to be honest. Um, um, prior to the season, once the Cardinals traded for DeAndre Hopkins, I was nervous about it just in general. Um, and then I relocated, actually, to Phoenix from Buffalo this March. So uh, with me moving here, it's like, you know what, I'm doing a podcast. Let me figure out the home team out here, too. So I kind of started to keep up with them. And Jordan Phillips from Buffalo signed out here, the defensive tackle. So, you know, there was a, a little bit of familiarity with the team. And I'm like, okay, cool. I get to watch them. Man, they're a good team. And it's not... It's not like they're, you know, just kind of sort of winning. I was shocked that they lost against Miami Sunday. But Kyler Murray is the real deal. Whether people want to admit that or not, I know, similar, you know, kind of how uh, people still don't want to admit that Josh Allen is a better player than they thought. People think that Kyler Murray, for some reason, at least in the circles that I hear, that, you know, they still kind of think he's like this dink and dunk type of quarterback and all he can do is scramble. No, the guy, he has a cannon for an arm. Yes, he's short, but listen. DeAndre Hopkins, he makes up for that height difference, very much so. So, you know, I'm nervous about that. Uh, Trey White, you know, last last season in the playoffs when we played against uh, the the uh, the Texans, Trey White had an issue covering Hopkins in the second half. First half, the offense for the Texans just didn't look good at all. But once they turned that thing on, we had a very tough time shutting him down and keeping him to – I don't even remember what his stat line was towards the end of the game, but he cooked. And then, you know, when you add in Christian Kirk, come on, the offense is, is scary. And um, we have an issue with stopping the run. The last couple of weeks, we looked pretty good. But now you got Kenyon Drake coming back, who's had somewhat of an offseason, but he's explosive and he can pick it up at any point. So this week, I, I'm actually a little bit nervous. I do think that the Bills, um, I, I do think that we're a better football team. But it's, you know, they're coming to Glendale. They're coming out here to Phoenix. So we'll see. It, it's going to be a tough, I think it's going to be closer than a lot of people think. Last question for me. If the Bills win this game, it's because blank. If the Bills win this game, it's because the defense puts pressure on Kyler Murray and confuses him. Um, if The thing is, for me, looking at the game plan that we went into Seattle or we went into the Buffalo game against against Seattle, um, if we if we can kind of keep a very similar game plan, I think the Bills have a great shot at containing Murray in that offense. Um, they're both, you know, Kyler Murray and – Russell Wilson are both very, you know, 
very mobile quarterbacks, but not mobile in the sense of when you think of like a Lamar Jackson or even a Josh Allen, you know, they're mobile in the sense of they're going to make that run when they have to, they're going to, they're slippery in the pocket. If we can put pressure on him and we can get seven to eight hits or 10 hits on him, like we did against Russell Wilson, we have a very good shot of making that offense, you know, you, you want to keep the ball out of Kyler Murray's hands. He's very dynamic. He can rush for 100 yards and throw for three touchdowns. So so that's the guy you want to keep on the sideline. So, yeah, the Bills win if we can put some pressure on him and keep him on the sideline. So last thing for me, and this is sort of an inside Buffalo sort of question, and I, and, and I, I can ask this because my son actually has been living there for the, for the last few years. And Buffalo is one of those crazy places where where things happen that don't happen in other places. So my question for you is, when Buffalo has had snowstorms and has needed to shovel out the stadium, have you ever actually done that? Several times. Several times? Yes, sir. Several times. We love our we love football. And on Sundays. So so first, the, the first thing we, we're, we're used to one o'clock Sunday games. So, you know, Sundays for us is like, you know, we need that weekly. So if it's snowed and we have to help get that snow out for our football team to play, you will see hundreds to thousands of Bills fans in Western New York go to Orchard Park to shovel that thing out for free. What's the thought process there? Like you wake up and you're like, all right, honey, got to get the shovel. Let's go. Time to get to work. Well, the Bills would normally put out a tweet or they'll put out a presser saying like, hey, you know, we need some volunteers. And honest to God, I don't even I don't even think about it. It's like, all right, let's go. We got it. The game is Sunday. We got to get this thing happening. (laughs) I guarantee if you put a poll up and, you know, I'm going to do that just to kind of gauge it. I guarantee you, if you check the poll, people in Western New York will not even think twice to get out there and help. If if that means we're going to be able to watch the game or not, you will have the entire city out there shoveling that entire arena. (laughs) Do they like recognize you if you've done it several times? Does anybody there like recognize that you're consistently there and maybe like give you some bills gear or tickets to the game or something? What I will say is I don't know about it being just from shoveling, but the community in Buffalo is very it it is very much like a college town. So a lot of times, you know, if you're if you're around enough, honest to God, man the team will know you, the franchise will know you, you know, um, Brandon Bean would literally know fans and shout them out by name, you know, so, you know, you're around and you're helping out. It's it's one of those communities that, you know, if you're a Bills fan, it, you're not just looked at like a Bills fan if you're really there. Like they they will really treat you like family. It's a great town. It's a, if you ever get a chance to, I know you mentioned, Ed, that your son is, is there. So if you get a chance to go and, and visit, Man, please, please go visit and hang out. Do it during the summer. If you I, don't I have get stuck been. There. I have been to a couple of games there, and it is it is a really unique experience because you're right. It's like a college town. You walk through, people are parking blocks and blocks away. They park in neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. They park at the high school. They park in businesses. You have to walk through crowds of of people to get there and there are parties everywhere going on and it's 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 a a much different atmosphere than going to a game in new jersey where it's you know where everything's in a in a big complex and it's in a parking lot the the stadium in in buffalo is right smack in the middle of a community yep yep and uh like you like you mentioned you know people will their front lawns are full of cars and you know uh they're selling parking for 15 20 bucks around the stadium you know it doesn't matter where you go you're you're tailgating and i know we have like a bad rep for like the guys who jump through tables and set tables on fire (laughs) but that's that's a very small part of who bill's mafia is it's a big party it's a big 
big fun party every time you come. So regardless of what fan you're, you know, whatever team you're a fan of, if you get a chance to come to Western New York and, and enjoy a Bills game, uh, whenever all the regulations for COVID lift and everything, please, guys, get make your way out to Western New York. It's a heck of a time. Well, this was clearly the most educational interview I've ever done on this podcast. <laughs> Thank you very much, <laughs> Thanks for having me, man. Anytime, anytime. Thanks again to Spencer Pennington from Buffalo Rumblings for joining us. Uh, I had a feeling he was coming down in the bills for this one, Ed. I'll ask you. It's Cardinals minus two and a half. How do you feel? I'm going to take the bills here. You know, I have a hard time figuring out both of these teams in terms of just figuring out who to trust on a week to week basis. But uh, but I, I'm going to I'm going to go with the bills here, I think, just because I'm I'm not sure from week to week what you get out of the Cardinals. I'm going with the Bills. I will take the points. And Cliff Kingsbury continues to make dumb decisions at the end of games. He gets really conservative and it makes dumb decisions. He did it last week. He doesn't go for it on fourth and one. He tries to kick a field goal, which would have only tied the game with two minutes left and given the ball back to Tua anyway. The field goal was short. He continues to be too scared. And I don't like that when it comes to head coaches. So I'll take the points. I'll take Sean McDermott and the aggression. Thank you very much, Buffalo Bills. Okay, I had one more game before we take a break, and this one is interesting. You've got the 6-2 and two Seahawks going to L.A. to take on the 5-3 and three Rams, and I think this is a big game for the Rams. You're trying to keep pace in the NFC West. You're coming off a bye, so you've had an extra week to prepare for an opponent that you already know really well, and this is just your second divisional game of the entire season if you're the Rams. It's sort of been a weird schedule. And they lost their first NFC West game to San Francisco. So they really need a win in this one against Seattle. Yeah, they do. And, and you know, they are coming off the bye. So, you know, so you, you, you kind of have to look at that. And, and, and I just look at this Seattle team, and, and it's kind of back to what we were talking about a little bit before. It's like, how things change from week to week when you look at a team. We've talked several times about how bad the the Seattle defense is, but my God, the wheels practically fell off. You know, last week against against Buffalo, I didn't think it was that bad. No, it is. It's clearly that bad. And every time Seattle tried to do their best to claw back into that game. The defense just let Buffalo go right back down the field, either for a touchdown or uh, their last score of the game, I think, was a field goal. But they could not get a a stop when they desperately needed one again and again in that game. What what becomes increasingly obvious with, with Seattle is just how dependent they are on Russell Wilson and how thin their margin for error is. If you know Russell Wilson is having a great season, he's a great player, but you just can't be perfect. You can't be at the top of your game you know, every single week, and and when they're not when they're not perfect offensively, it's hard for them to beat good teams. Yeah, and Wilson, I mean, last week he took a beating, five sacks, had two interceptions, he lost two fumbles. You know, like you said, he's just it's just not fair to ask him to be the MVP every single week. But I feel like the only time Seattle ever gets a stop on defense is when they get a turnover. And they've been, you know, good this season, top five, I think, in turnovers forced on the year. But if you can't count on that every game, and if that's your only way to stop people, you're gonna be in trouble. Th- that is true. And and you know, I, I think that 
New York Jets fans watching that game last week had to maybe enjoy, you know, watching former Jet Jamal Adams, you know, and, and Seattle coach Pete Carroll have a little sideline tiff. I mean, it, it, as as messed up as the Jets are, it, as bad as they are, you watch Jamal Adams get in Pete Carroll's face, and you start to wonder if all the things that you start to wonder if all the things that went on between, you know, with Adams and the Jets, you start to wonder just how much of that was Jamal Adams' fault. Well, the one good thing, if you're the Se- a Seahawks fan or Pete Carroll, like he knows how to deal with big personalities. Go back to those Legion of Boom teams. They had a ton of personality on that team. Michael Bennett, Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, like he knows how to deal with crazy in Seattle. And so one guy, Jamal, Jamal Adams is going to be not that much for Pete Carroll to handle. Yeah, you could be right there. You know, I, I just keep, you know, Pete Carroll keeps saying he time and health and all of those things are going to, are going to help our defense and, and we'll get better. But now we see Jamal Adams back. We see Carlos Dunlap back. We see them talking about adding, you know, snacks, Harrison, who they've got on their practice squad, trying to get him in shape, you know, to to that defense. And I don't know about you, but I I, I need to see it. I need to see it. I need for I need for them to to prove it be, to that they can play, you know, winning defense or at least competent defense. And I think they're going to have to because the the Rams can move the ball offensively. Sean McVay appears to be getting back to the Sean McVay we saw two years ago when they got to the Super Bowl. They seem to be able to run the ball a little bit. They have weapons on offense. Seattle is not going to be able to get by with just depending on, you know, Russell Wilson to bail them out. I think this one could be a little bit of a barn burner. You know, the Seahawks have not played in a game this season where the point total was below 52. So that's how bad the defense is. Yeah, and and you're facing in the Rams, they have the, the number two ranked defense in the NFL. So... Seattle's going to have to play some defense to to have a shot in this game, and and I'm not sure they can play enough. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, but I, I'm taking the Rams in this one. You're going with the Rams. I mean, it's funny. I sit here and trash the Seahawks defense, and then I'm like, yeah, but Russell Wilson's really good. You know, I have so much trauma from Russell Wilson beating me as a 49ers fan that it's hard to pick against him. They're get the Seahawks are getting one and a half points in this one. And I if it's close at all, even if it's high scoring, if it's close at all, I feel like Russ is gonna find a way to come through. And since I'm getting points, I think I have to go with Seattle. Hey, we disagree on a game. There's nothing wrong with that. All right, Ed, let's take a break. We still have two more games left. Chargers, Dolphins, and the Dealers Choice game coming up after the break. We are back here on the look ahead. Just a reminder, by the way, if you want to say in which games we talk about, go to SBNation.com slash reacts or on Twitter at SBN reacts. You can vote on the games you want us to talk about. And then novel concept. We talk about them every Thursday. Next up on our list, Ed, and I'm so glad that this game was up there in the rankings because I think it's the most fun game of the week. And it's a two and six charger team facing a 5-3 and three Dolphin team. But more than that, it is Justin Herbert and Tua Tungavailoa. I, this is like the quarterback matchup of the week for me. I can't wait to watch it. Oh, you and me both. How can you not be fired up about, about this one, about these two 
young quarterbacks. You know, we've we've talked about some other matchups. We've talked about Josh Allen. We've talked about Kyler Murray. We've talked about a lot of these young quarterbacks. But this one, this one is special. This is two young guys who are really just getting started. And, and the future for both of these guys is so bright that that it it's it's fun to watch. I know there are there are New York Giants fans out there who who believe that that the quarterback that Dave Gettleman really liked was Justin Herbert and Herbert chose to go back to school, you know, for a final season and the Giants took Daniel Jones cuz they felt like they they really just needed to make the quarterback move and watching Justin Herbert kills Giants fans, <laughs> but 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 this game is is uh, is fun to look forward to. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because watching Justin Herbert may kill Dolphins fans. There's a little bit of a, a, a side plot here because Miami could have drafted Justin Herbert at, at number five. They were on the clock. They chose Tua over Justin Herbert. And number six was the Chargers. So literally the next pick, they took Justin Herbert. So there's, those two guys are always going to be linked in their career. So I wonder if it's kind of a little bit of a revenge game for Justin Herbert. Oh, it it could be, but you're absolutely right. Again, it is one of those things where those two guys, because of that, are always going to be going to be linked in some way. You know, it's almost unfortunate. You know, a couple of years ago, the Giants drafted Daniel Jones, and then Washington drafted Dwayne Haskins, and and, and those two, you know, those two play in the same division. These two guys aren't going to face each other twice a year, so. So that and so that makes this one even even a little bit more special. I'm kind of pulling for Herbert more than Tua in this one, just because like I feel like he deserves more wins than he's gotten this year with how well he's played. I mean, you look you look at the game last week against the Raiders. I mean, they throw the touchdown in the final seconds of the game, and they think, "Hey, we've got this one. We finally pulled it out," only for it to be overturned on the replay. Whatever voodoo curse is on the quarterback of the Chargers, it's still there. I thought it was going to be gone when Phillip Rivers left, but clearly it's still there with Justin Herbert. I'm kind of pulling for him just because I feel like he deserves to win some more games. How how gut-wrenching is that to, to throw what you think is a game-winning touchdown pass, to celebrate on the field, and then have the call overturned and... I have to say overturned correctly because it was not a catch, but still just gut wrenching for, for the chargers. They're used to it by now. Right. I mean, if you know how this game's going to be, it's going to come down to about like a minute left. Herbert's going to have the ball. He'll probably have one timeout. He'll need to go 80 yards because they'll be down by four. That's like, you can just book it now. That's what we're going to see. You know, the chargers have lost. They've lost two games in overtime. They've blown two 17-point leads. They've blown a 21-point lead. They had they had, you know, that that game last week, you know, losing on the final play. You know, we we mentioned the the SB Nation Reacts poll and the the Chargers fans this week were asked about the uh, the future of Anthony Lynn in the Chargers specific uh SB Nation Reacts poll. And 100% of Chargers fans voted that they need a new head coach. What? 100%? (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. The hundred percent voted that uh, that they need a new head coach. Pretty uh, that's that's crazy. You know what Anthony Lynn's record is in four years with the Chargers? Twenty eight and twenty eight. So I kind of understand that frustration from the Chargers fans. And there's a lot to like there. They have Joey Bosa. They have the quarterback. Keenan Allen is there. There's a lot of players. Austin Eckler. There's a lot of pieces there that, you know, you do wonder if you if you get a new coach, what kind of level can he elevate this team to? You know, and can you imagine being, you know, one of those young offensive coordinator types, being Eric Bieniemy or being whoever, you know, is is out there, you know, as one of the hot young assistant coaches and getting the chance to to come in with Justin Herbert as your quarterback already, I mean that that is a job that if it comes open at the end of this season, that is a job that that these young offensive minded you know guys are are going to be are going to be dying for. They're going to be begging to get that job. Yeah, come live in L.A. You'll play the Vegas Raiders twice a year. You do have to play Mahomes twice a year, so that's not exactly fun. But there is definitely – you get to play in that awesome stadium. I love that stadium out there. There's a lot to love about that Chargers job. It's pretty attractive. You're right. Yeah, but you know the thing of it is I don't love the Chargers in this game on Sunday. I think Miami has got some things going on. They've won four straight games. Tua, you know, it was only one game – and they're still not overexposing him. They're still not asking him to do crazy things. He was 20 of 28 last week, but they're still keeping it simple for him. But they've got it going on there with four straight wins, with a lot of with really good defense being played over there. Brian Flores looks like a heck of a young head coach. So I don't know about you, but I, I, I think for me it's a no-brainer to pick the Dolphins in this one. Yeah, Vegas agrees with you. Our friends at DraftKings say it's Dolphins minus two and a half. I think that Herbert is better than Tua at this point, but every other advantage I give to the Dolphins. I give them the head coaching advantage. I give them defense advantage. I give them the situational play calling or situational coaching advantage. I hate to agree with you once again, but I feel like the Dolphins have their stuff together, basically, and the Chargers clearly don't. So I got to go Miami as well. And our last game of the weekend is our dealer's choice. And basically, we let you guys pick the games for the whole show, except for the last game that we talk about. That's where either Ed or I will get to pick one game we want to focus on. It's my choice this week, so I am going to go to Cleveland because it's Texans and Browns. And what fascinates me about this one, Ed, is you and I both liked the Browns early in the year when they were running the hell out of the ball. And then Nick Chubb got hurt. And they have fallen off a cliff with their rushing attack. Well, Nick Chubb is back for this one. So I'm excited to see if the Browns can sort of pick up where they left off. Yeah, it's it's interesting, you know, and we come back to that whole thing about how how things change so much in the NFL. It was what, three, four weeks ago we were talking about how it looked like the Browns had figured out what they are, had really, you know, established an identity and and things just haven't gone well for them recently. Um, maybe a lot of it is, you know, due to due to to uh, to Nick Chubb not being there, and and they're gonna have to get back to being that that run oriented, you know, run first team. Odell Beckham is now out for the season for them. 
Baker Mayfield's been up and down. They're going to have to get back to that. It'll be really interesting to see if they can this week against a uh, against a, a a disappointing Houston team. Here's how bad it got for the Browns. So weeks one to four, when Chubb was there, they led the league in rush yards per game, yards per rush, and rushing touchdowns. And then Chubb got hurt. In weeks five to nine, they were 24th in rush yards per game, 26th in yards per rush, and last in the league in rushing touchdowns. That's how drastic the the falloff was, which is crazy because they have Kareem Hunt there still. Yeah, they do. But I, and I'm looking at it. I think uh, I think two of the last three weeks. I think the last three weeks total, the 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 most yardage they've run for is 101 yards total, and 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 they just they can't live that way. They can't they can't live when when everything is in the in the hands of of Baker Mayfield. I totally agree. And look, Cleveland is five and three, so they've lost some games here, but. They're clearly in contention for the AFC. If you want to be a wild card team, they're probably not going to catch Pittsburgh in the division. But if you want to be one of those wild card teams, this is a game where you have to handle your business. The Texans, I just feel like they're always in disarray. Even when Bill O'Brien was there, I just never felt like they had their stuff together. They have Deshaun Watson, who's great. But that to me, that's kind of it. This is a game, if you're Cleveland, you need to win. You need to win handily. Pound the ball into the ground, grind out the clock, and take care of your business and show everybody that you're going to be a new Cleveland Browns team and a new force in the AFC. Absolutely. I mean, if if you're a Houston Texans fan, it's just so frustrating because you have Deshaun Watson. And instead of building – and they haven't been able to build – a team around him instead it seems like and this is a big part of the reason why Bill O'Brien is no longer there but instead it seems like they've they've taken the team that was around him and and torn it apart so and, and that they're going to have to start over again yeah everything good about them i feel like has slowly been stripped away i mean they almost traded away Will Fuller at the deadline too so it almost they almost continued that process there's rumors they're going to trade J.J. Watt after the season is over. I, yeah, I. it's crazy because as an NFL fan, I feel like you think, get the quarterback, get the quarterback, get the quarterback. Well, Houston clearly has that guy. The problem is they don't seem to have anything else around him, and they don't seem interested in putting anything else around it. No, and that's unfortunate because he's a tremendous talent, and you'd love to see what he could do you know, with, you know, with talent around him, even with talent like, you know, maybe like you don't even need Kansas City Chiefs level talent. Just, you know, Buffalo Bills level talent around him would be just fine. Uh, hopefully, whoever they get in there can sort of start to build that. But I have to see it to believe it first. And I know Cleveland's given points in this one. They are giving three and a half. I don't care. I think Cleveland is going to get back to the team that we saw, even without Odell Beckham Jr. I'll take the Browns and I'll lay the points. Oh, I I will as well. I mean, there's a little soft spot in my heart for for Romeo Cornell because you know he was a one time assistant coach with the Giants, but uh, but that's not nearly enough to uh, to make me uh, pick the Texans in this one. I'm I'm going with the Browns as well. So we agree on Tennessee, Buffalo, Miami, and Cleveland this week. The only game we disagree on is the NFC West clash between the Seahawks and the Rams. 
You take the Rams in that one, and I'm going with Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. How do we keep agreeing all the time, Ed? I really don't know. And, you know, folks, I swear, I promise you that we don't plan this. It just it it just happens this way. So, you know, it's but but it but it's got to stop. Here's the thing, too. Neither one of us is particularly good at picking games. So now that we know we agree, we should just go opposite Costanza style and flip all our picks because that apparently is the only way we're going to win. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, 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 I tell people at big blue view all the time. It's like, I am not good at this. I'm not good at this when it comes to picking games. So, you know, so, so how did I get this gig anyway? You know, it's amazing to me. It's the one thing that almost everybody does and almost nobody's good at. Yet we keep doing it. If there was any other activity in our lives we were this bad at, we would just stop doing it. But instead, we not only do we do it, but for many people, we keep betting our money too. Yeah, you know, it's sort of like it's sort of like power rankings and a lot of those other things that 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 people complain about yet yet we keep doing them and they keep reading them and and <laughs> you know <laughs> and it's a never-ending cycle well this show is not never-ending in fact that's going to do it for us on the look ahead again if you want to be part of the show please go to sbnation.com slash reacts or check out twitter at sbn reacts you can sign up you can vote on who you want us to talk about and we will talk about them every single week of the season all right, and, and please, folks, do not bet your hard-earned money because of anything that we said. Make up your own minds. <laughs> yeah, I can't be held to that kind of responsibility. Let's be honest. Uh, clearly, we don't know what we're doing here. So please play responsibly, <laughs> and most importantly, enjoy the game tonight and the rest of the games in Week 10. <laughs>